0: Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Brainstorm Kitchen podcast.
1: I I can't believe we're already at 15. I mean, this is crazy. We're we're doing Yeah, yeah
0: and uh I'm joined by Logan who has uh appeared once again from the void. <laughs> I've
1: been like stuck in the <laughs> void, which is known as writing a PhD thesis. It's like actually terrible, but I'm sure some of you guys know about this. So, yeah, it's very painful.
0: <laughs> How, how's that going? Uh,
1: you know, I'm I'm I have basically like a few months to finish it, and I have to get everything going. And I mean, but thankfully, it's like for anybody who ever has to write a PhD thesis, I have to say this: like, it goes quicker as you write it. So, like, the first month, it was going like really slow, and I was freaking out about it. But like after enough time, your brain just like kicks into gear and you're like, okay, I got this. And then you can just flow and run through pages a lot quicker. So I'm the the pace at which I'm writing pages is going a lot quicker than like it was a month ago. So don't stress out if for the first month you're like, I'm not making a lot of progress.
0: And then stress out a lot. And then stress out a lot. Exactly.
1: Stress is like the fuel, you know, like it's what you need to move forward. So, yeah so to anybody uh, who's yeah coming from my channel i apologize for the severe lack of videos and there will be continued lack of videos
0: um have you been cooking at all during this or are you just chugging silent and warming?
1: <laughs> i actually it's really bad like uh my so my girlfriend and i like we typically like i typically cook at the house but like. I've been so stressed, especially this past week, that I'm not even cooking. And so, like, she's she is so I don't. She's really nervous to cook in front of me. And so I like basically it's been like, I don't know, either I have to cook something really quickly, or we're eating out, or I don't know, or we just like eat really terrible food somewhere. So it's been pretty bad. Um, I. Yeah. I did get a few minutes today, and I started to record another video, but it might be, like, a month before that video comes out.
0: Do you want to give us a, a sneak preview of what it might be?
1: So, I can say that it's one of the videos that the Spawn bon Appetit Gourmet video, you know, these this chick who does the the videos where she takes, like, snack Oh, food. yeah, the,
0: the gourmet versions of snack food. Yeah, I
1: love those videos, but there was yeah, are one... Good. There was one where she really screws it up. And I think I figured Wait, out trying to take a guess? Yeah. Is it the Cheetos one? It is the Cheetos one. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I like think I figured out where she screwed up, so I'm gonna I'm trying to get this perfected. I, I tried it today, it didn't look like it worked too well. Uh it got it was really close, but I think I know what I did wrong, so I'm gonna try again maybe tomorrow. And if I get it right, then I'm gonna put it up
0: there. Wait, are you getting um did you get any multidirection?
1: No, I'm not I'm not I mean so for the coating and that kind of stuff I'm for, so for the seasoning mm-hmm. I I'm, think I'm just going to stick with cornstarch but the the actual texture of the Cheeto I think is where she really had issues in mm-hmm. the video and I think to get that really crunchy puffy uh kind uh, the way that I've seen most people do it is they kind of make this french style puff pastry stuff and uh Yeah, so I think I found a different way, which is kind of related to some of the other videos that I have. So hopefully, if this works out, I'm gonna I'll put this out there. If not, then I'll just pretend like it worked. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Anyways, so what?
0: Actually, when you do that, you should time it because I could probably um, make a companion video for a custom cheese powder.
1: Yeah, that's true. We could we could do something together. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, Okay. Uh, All right, so
0: let me talk about uh, one of my failures before we get into the interview. Um, Don't koji ferment an entire
1: duck at once. So, like, what happened? Because that sounds like it could have gone really wrong.
0: So, basically, the surface was covered in, like, a soybean paste and rice flour mixture. And the koji
1: uh, bloomed beautifully. But the inside was just mush. It like it like mushed. So how how yeah. specifically how does this work? So you you take the koji and you did you do the sous vide method like you've yes. done before? Okay. And how long did you sous vide it for? About 2 days. Okay. And then the inside just was completely like like, like rotted. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm. That it smell uh, real bad. Uh, yeah, apparently. <laughs> that's uh that's not nice. Yeah, again,
0: I grind it with um, salt and curing salt, so I thought that would give me some coverage, but...
1: Uh... Was the inside also koji-coated, or...? Not really, I guess. Okay, do you think it would have worked if the inside was also koji-coated? Maybe, but I think it just need to be smaller pieces. Okay, fair enough. Well, I mean, yeah, there's yeah, only different... one way to learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I kept telling my didn't that much. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. So, uh, should we announce the really good news that we have as well?
0: Uh, yes! Oh my gosh!
1: Hallelujah! Yeah, (laughs) we have our first Patreon supporter, which is, like, really helpful, and this is really nice, and I believe we actually have... It's from an Avenger, maybe, or...
0: Yeah, um, I won't say too much, because I don't know if this Patron wants to be mentioned by name, but, uh, you know, you're our first and currently only patron, so, uh, thank you, Thor, hopefully you're listening, his name is actually Thor,
1: so. Yeah, and, uh, that's, that's pretty awesome, that's also just an awesome name. (laughs) So if you want
0: to join the ranks of Thor, you should also consider supporting us on Patreon.
1: It really helps us support uh, as well. just let us know that you're actually interested in the podcast and just really give us motivation to keep doing this so uh, i mean it's it's also good the more people that join, the more content we can start putting behind the the paywall and and give exclusive content for people who are who are supporting us and you know it's it's a yeah. two way street
0: yeah right now we are just going to be releasing the podcast a little early for four and then Uh, yeah, eventually we'll start working on some other cool stuff.
1: But if you want to still support us, but you don't want to spend money, there's definitely other ways to do this. If you want to uh, give us a nice rating on on, uh, iTunes, this helps a lot. Or just, you know, share it with your friends. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so should we intro the, uh, the interview that you did? I was actually, unfortunately, not around because I, as, as was aforementioned, working on my thesis. But, uh, Quinn, I listened to the interview, and you did a great job. And also, personally, I gotta say, it sounds like you're getting, you're getting much, much better with interviews. Like, this was, like, a really good, you know, style for interviewing. We liked yeah, it.
0: Yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, the interview, as you can probably tell, I'm assuming by what we titled the episode, uh, it's uh, Lucas Peterson, who is probably most known from his show on the Eater YouTube channel, Dining on a Dime. And uh, he was pretty busy, but he managed to squeeze in a quick interview, and I think it turned out really well.
1: Yeah, so uh, I guess without further ado, we'll let you listen to this interview, and uh, yeah, enjoy.
0: Um, hello, I am here with the one, the only, Lucas from Dining on a Dime. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: Yeah, no problem. Glad to be Uh, here.
0: uh, I'm sure a lot of people, a lot more people, are familiar uh, with uh, your work, but for those who might not have heard, why don't you give a quick little intro of yourself? Uh, Yeah, I
2: host a a show for Eater called Dining on a Dime, been doing it for the last few years, and I have a travel column for the New York Times, um, and that's that's kind of what I do. Well,
0: that's cool. Now, I'm sure you may have covered this in a um, background episode of Dining on a Dime, but how did you first, like, are you uh, a cook by trade, or are you a writer by trade, how did you get into this? Yeah, I,
2: it through through writing. So I don't have a, I don't have a background. I've never I, in the restaurant industry. I've I've never worked in a kitchen, but I do uh, love to eat, <laughs> and I love food. And I, I got into this through um, through writing about restaurants in uh, in and around Los Angeles. Right, yeah,
0: that's cool. Uh, now, in a recent season of Diner Dime, you were in Rome how uh, how long were you in Rome
2: um so th- for shooting we typically average two shoots a day so to shoot an eight episode season usually take four days and in- and then there's uh, travel time, obviously. So uh, I was there, you know, close to a week.
0: Well, that's a that's a pretty tight, tight ship you guys run. Uh
2: it is. I mean, you know, it's we're definitely, you know, we're definitely grinding them out. It's 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 definitely. I mean, it's really it's very enjoyable, but it's it's also definitely work. And and me and the crew. I travel with uh, usually a three-person crew, and uh, and on on this particular Rome trip, we also had help from a, a fixer who who lives in Rome, and because that was a little more challenging to arrange restaurants and to find things um, uh, in another country, and I and I don't speak Italian, so uh, so yeah, we had a lot of help, and, and but things things went pretty smoothly. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, again, uh, I'm not sure if uh, at what point, uh, maybe there's a few more left to be uploaded, but, uh, I mean, you're hitting a few of the sort of famous spots as well, but you also found some, like, really interesting gems, like that, uh, that Filipino place. Like, where do you find these sort of lesser-known? Is it your fixer? Is it the uh, comments?
2: You know, it it comes from a mixture of of everyone sort of involved on the team. So between me and between the video team, and then between and then a woman named Katie Parla, who who served as our fixer for Rome, who's a real wealth of knowledge uh, for that area. Uh, we just we put together that that list of places, and then. You know, and then of course, you always have to start with more, you always have to start with more places than you end up shooting at, because a lot of places, uh, they don't, they don't like to be filmed. You know, we, we tend to skew towards smaller places, more kind of mom and pop style places, as opposed to shooting in big restaurants who who are media savvy. And so a lot of times places, uh, you know, they don't feel comfortable with cameras and they they don't want to be filmed. So we we always have to sort of plan for more places than we end up with because a lot of places uh, don't want to do it or they'll back out.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Um, And uh, lastly, I think that's probably part of the charm of the show. Because if you went to like these big established places every episode you know you wouldn't get to sort of discover a lot of the really nice hidden gems that you guys do, do find I
2: I totally agree I really the the thing that I like most about the show is that these are these are small places these are these are not big chains these are family-owned businesses for the most part um, these are sort of local gyms known primarily to people that live in the place, um, not really known on a national level. And I think that really gives a nice, it just gives you a better sense of what the place is like and what the city's like and what the people eat. Um, when you go to places like that as opposed to as opposed to really huge, uh, you know sort of slick, vary within the restaurant industry the, those sort of places i i, I like the smaller places
0: yeah mm-hmm. i'm curious I, kind of a a deep question but do you ever find somewhere especially maybe more when you're in the states and because you know obviously probably most of the audience is in the states so if you show a place you you your audience could Potentially go there relatively easily, depending on where you are. Do you ever like find a place and you're like, this place is too good to show people? Or I think, have you ever obscured the actual name of a, of a restaurant before? Mm, no.
2: Uh, have I have I ever thought a place is too good to share? No. The the only place I can think of where something even close to that has happened was a pupusa restaurant, which is an, uh, which is a, uh, a dish from El Salvador. Um, there was a, a restaurant that was run out of a woman's house in Los Angeles. And that presented some challenges because, uh, what she was doing was not strictly legal. And, uh, we didn't want to, you know, get her into trouble. Actually, that happened again. We that happened again at another place called All Flavor No Grease, where the guy again, this was in L.A., where the guy who ran it, um, you know, what he was doing out of his house, and and uh, oh, it wasn't, you know, within the the rules of of the city and of the health code. But he, but he also loved it. I mean, he ag- agreed to the shoot, a- you know, as did the woman, we, we don't ever ambush places without their permission. So, you know, a thing to keep in mind is that the pe- where we shoot the, we always clear with them. Um, you know, they signed the form saying we're allowed to shoot there. And so th- they're totally on board with that. But but there definitely is a responsibility on our part, you know, to think about, well, what could the potential consequences be um, for these businesses? But but as far as, you know, d- did I ever think, oh, this place is good, I want to keep it to myself? I've n- I've never thought that, no. Yeah, I just,
0: that's more of a, a funny thought I think of sometimes. Um So yeah, let's let's go back to to Rome for a moment. Is there anything just that you can think of off the top of your head that either for time or for you know, scheduling permission purposes that you didn't get to uh, film or even maybe even didn't get to go to that you were really looking forward to or are bummed about? Um,
2: you know, I can't Think of a place in Rome where I was really hoping to go and didn't go. I the When I think about that, though, the thing that comes to mind is I grew up outside of Chicago. And the, the one place when we went to Chicago, the one place I really wanted to film was this little sandwich shop um, that does these Italian beef sandwiches, which is a, a type of sandwich that sort of resembles like a french dip and it's but it's one of the best places i've ever been to in my life and it's it's like a treasure in the it's like a civic treasure it's it's the best and all i wanted to do was film there because i grew up eating that and i went like several times and talked to the manager had him like relay some messages to the owner who lives in Florida and like begged these people to please and they were just like, no, they were just like, we don't really need it. like they're so busy all the time. There's always like a line out the door and at the end of the day they were just like, you know, we kind of just don't want to let cameras in here. We don't need the business. we don't need the attention. so sorry. Um, in that place, Johnny's beef in Elmwood Park, Illinois. That's the one, that's my whatever, uh, the, the one place that sort of haunts me because I, I never got to shoot there.
0: Oh, that, that's your white whale covered in beef drippings.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: That's so funny, because you, you'd think, I would never think that a restaurant would ever be too busy. You're like, no, no, please, no more publicity. <laughs>
2: Yeah, they, they just didn't care. They're just like, you know, we make plenty of money. You know, all you're going to do is potentially just kind of get up in our business or show people how we do things, and that we don't want that. So, you know, we have no real incentive to, to let you bring cameras in here, so they just they just said no.
0: Uh, I guess that makes sense. Well, actually, that's, that's a good question. There were a lot of or there have been a lot of, um, sort of more you getting involved when you were in Rome of, uh, making things. Um, what's like the biggest hot tip that you learned in some of your little cooking tutorials?
2: Oh yeah. Those were, those were so much fun. Um, so I made, uh, I made pasta. I, I made fresh pasta, ravioli, um, And I made uh, gelato with a with a woman who uh, who has a a gelato place called Fata Morgana and who's just this like gelato obsessive. Um, As far as like cooking tips, gosh, um, you know, like practice technique is important. I mean, especially with pasta making. I what became so clear. You know, we, we both started with sort of piles of the same ingredient. You know, we both had flour and eggs, and and he sort of showed me how to do it. And it seemed simple enough. And making, you know, making pasta, the the process is is simple. There's not a lot of ingredients. There's not, um, it's not terribly complicated on the surface. But it became it became very clear once you looked at our finished products, like, who who was the pasta master and who was just doing it for the first time? Because this guy just made, like, perfect-looking ravioli that were just, like, pristine, you know, perfectly symmetrical. The dome was just, like, absolutely smooth and not lumpy at all. And then you, I had these little dumpy little things that didn't, I mean, they still tasted good because again, we used you know, we use this identical ingredients, but, but mine were just like, not that particularly attractive. So I would just say, you know, the importance of repetition and technique and, and actually learning how to do something the right way was really made clear to me. It's not as, it's not as simple as just following a recipe. You really, you really have to put in the time and, and really know what you're doing.
0: But if you
2: ever make them
0: again and they still don't look great, make sure you really emphasize that they're rustic.
2: Absolutely. Rustic is that's the key word.
0: (laughs) Um, looking bad, uh, as some of your other uh things obviously most of the time you're there eating the food. Sometimes you get to go in the kitchen and sort of see what's going on. Is there a time in the past that you can think where, like what well, I really wish I had actually gone there and gone in there and seen or tried to make something just for fun.
2: Um, I mean I think about that all the time. Yeah. I I I really have so much respect for uh, the people that make the food in the, in these restaurants, you know, not just the chef, but everyone in the kitchen from, from the cooks and, and, you know, people doing prep and the dishwashers and, you know, everyone who's back there in these restaurants, you know, putting together this show, you know, that, that sort of happens for, for patrons every day. I definitely developed, you know, a real respect for that. And um, as far as places where, I, you know, I wanted to get really get my hands dirty. I mean, in Rome, it, it would have been cool to make pizza. I, I don't, that place that we went to, the Forno Campo di Fiori, um, that place was so busy. And that place, there was such a machine just churning out pizza. I I think I really just would have... Gotten in the way or you know ruined their product. The the you know the people just massaging out the dough so carefully. Um, you know guys who've been doing it for decades and and using the really fresh ingredients. And I, I would have loved to to try my hand at that, especially because I really I really love pizza. Um, but but yeah, unfortunately I I didn't get to try my hand at uh, making pizza.
0: Does part of you... Like, shudder to think that you're probably, unless you go back to Rome or Italy or really try to make it yourself, you're probably not going to get Roman-style pasta, I mean, Roman-style pizza, unless maybe there is uh, a New York restaurant that specializes in that. Because it's so, it's so different and regional. Like, do you think, shoot. Yeah,
2: I think about that all the time. I, I think about... You know, especially because I I do travel a lot for my work, and we're always going to different places. I think about the fact. I think, am I? I think, am I ever going to come to this place ever again? Like, I think about. I think honestly, uh, you know, going to places like the the trattoria we went to Da Cesare, which was like super, super, super good, um, where we had the cacio e pepe and the carbonara. Um, I just think, I think maybe I'll, I'll never have a chance to come back and that it's, it's very bittersweet because you, uh, you know, I have a lot of opportunities to, to go to places and to, and to always be trying new things and, tr- and going to new restaurants. But at the same time, it's, it's frequently the first and last time I'm going to go somewhere and, and eat something. And that, and that's always a little bit sad, um, because, yeah, you can't get that real, you know, that real carbonara here in the States. You can't. I mean, there's so much good pizza. It's hard to say. You can't. Because like Banchi, uh, the Pizzeria and Banchi, they opened in Chicago. So so it's it's hard to say you're not going to have anything qu- quite as good because you might. But it's not ever going to totally be the same. It's not ever really going to be the same experience uh, in that environment, you know, with uh, just the sort of gorgeous uh, ambiance of Rome, and yeah, I, I think about that a lot, actually.
0: You think you're going to learn that culture of technique, or no?
2: You know, I watched, I watched him do it. I don't know if I could repeat it. It's, again, it seems so simple when you watch it. It, it happens so fast, you know, and also with the carbonara, it's it's, it's done so quickly. And then of course, like with things like carbonara, you have to, you have to eat it right away, you know, cause that's, it's not the kind of thing that ages well, you know, even like in 10 minutes, you know, you really got to eat it. And so it was just sort of, it was from beginning to end the whole, you know, from beginning process of, ha- of being made to me, Finishing the dish, you know, it takes 15 minutes, and it's it just sort of flies by. And and I, you know, I definitely learned a lot from watching. Um, you know, could I get it right the first time? Prob- probably not.
0: Well, if I'm sure it's not going to be as good as wrong, but if you're willing to make either of those dishes, I've actually got a few uh, tricks that I've, I've developed, because I've I was actually in Rome a long time ago once, when I was a kid, and we, we didn't go out to eat to a nice restaurant with carbonara, but I've since become obsessed with some of that Roman cuisine, so I've developed a few, few techniques. Cool, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure techniques that Romans would uh, kill me over, but, you know. <laughs> so, looking into the future obviously I don't expect you to spoil any planned seasons, but if you think of maybe even an obscure city anywhere you want to go to, where would it be?
2: Um, you know, I, I think, uh, I, in the future, I think something in Latin America would be really cool. Um, so much good You know, nothing's planned, but I think looking forward, that's that's definitely an area, an area in the, of the world I'd really like to go.
0: Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think. Uh, oh, by the way, long shot, if you're ever in uh, Vancouver, I'm on Vancouver Island, and I may or may not be attempting to start. A uh, secret restaurant, like you mentioned. That sounds <laughs> great. If you're in, the, tell, if you're tell in me, the area, let me know.
2: Tell, yeah, I will. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the invite.
0: Uh yeah. So I think. Okay, I know you're a busy guy. We can wrap it up there. But thank you so much for coming on. Maybe after the next season, we'll, we'll have you back on or something.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for awesome. thanks for the invite and thanks for having me.
0: Well, that is it for this episode. I know it's a bit shorter, but I think it
1: was really good. I really like the sound of those beef sandwiches, the Italian beef sandwiches. It sounded really good. (laughs) And also... Sorry, you go ahead. I was just going to say, also, this whole craziness of people just, like, running restaurants out of their house and just being like, yeah, you can record me. It's okay. Like, it's kind of crazy.
0: Well, I mean... That's my dream.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of ballsy to be like, yeah, like I'm running an illegal restaurant and, like, yeah, you can record me. It's okay. Like, like. but I mean, it's those places sounded really good, especially this uh, the South American food. I would have totally had that. So,
0: but yeah, that's, yeah. It, that's it. As we mentioned, big, big thank you to the son of Odin. Um, <laughs> yes. uh, and, uh, like I said, if you're like this, podcast please leave any comments or feedback or ratings on the various podcast platforms
1: and of course you can always just share it with your friends that's helpful too so Mm -hmm. thank you for listening and we will see you again in two weeks
0: yep sounds good